Oh, man. So, I don't know if you heard about this. This is an amusing incident today. Okay. You know, it hasn't exactly been um, the best labor year in any sector. No. Other than, I don't know, yacht designer. Officer of the law. Officer of the law. Despite what one of them might tell you about how badly their feelings have been hurt lately. (laughs) Truly. Truly, out of all 12, some can be fucked. (laughs) Today, or it might have been a few days ago, my sense of time is completely warped at this point. Yeah, I. The, so here's the thing: I went back to work, like physically back to work, sometime in June. Mm-hmm. You've just—I mean, you've been at work, but from your laptop since last March, and I don't even—I sort of have a concept of what that'd be like, right? Because I was uh, uh, today's a one-year anniversary, by the way. Happy. Uh, oh. Happy 500,000. Um, I prefer half mil. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, happy half go. mil. Happy half mil. Thank you for downplaying it because of the squiggly line, you orange piece of shit. It's okay. It wasn't only. I hope you get fucked to death in Rikers. But back to your point. Um, yes, back to my point. Uh, yeah, around, so like around three three or so months into into that whole mess... I was starting to lose my sense of time, mm. but you are now 12 months into it, and I only have the vaguest idea of what it might feel like. There was a trick in breakdancing called a jackhammer mm-hmm. that I only had the strength to do in fucking undergrad, because you pop up and down while you're horizontal on one hand. That would destroy my uh, my shoulders. Very possible. If I tried it. It happens often. I'm like, I'm in... I'm like I'm not gonna be modest. I'm in very good shape. That would destroy at least two of my joints if I tried that. I don't know how anyone could do that with that the same happening to them. And the only time I had the strength, weight, whatever ratio to fucking do that bullshit was for three months in 2013 when I was breakdancing instead of studying. Sure. So I started doing this body weight thing in quarantine because I'm basically in jail mm-hmm. and I can actually do two jackhammers now and. I don't know. It's like being at your high school weight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Monday begins and Sunday ends, but I know I can do two jackhammers, and I want to do three jackhammers. I was doing... Here's what was happening. I was doing um, this thing where every morning I would wake up, and I'd, I'd just have a morning routine. I would make coffee. I would get dressed as if I was going out that day. I was not. <gasps> And then I would spend the entire day looking at how many people had died on Facebook. Because at that point in time, I think they got rid of it. At that point in time, Facebook had this whole thing that, tell, that told you very like quickly. You could access it very easily how many people had died. I've since just gotten off of Facebook in general. Probably not the least of which because of this fucking tool and just how... It's fucking potent. It was basically self-harm. Uh, just... Forcing myself to look at, I think, I think someone has, it's been mentioned before that there is this sort of thing called something, something, not electronic, but social media self-harm. It's not even that. It's, um, but it's basically shit like doom scrolling or exposing yourself to cyberbullying, uh, that kind of thing. Um, because 
because of something. I, I don't think know. there's something to that as a concept. Like, you can totally see when someone's doing a virtual kamikaze. Yes. Like, they have those roasting discords or subreddits. Well, just only one subreddit, but whatever. Where, like, you know, you sign up to, like, be insulted in a roast-like manner. And see, that fucking ruled, though. I did. It is. It does rule. Some people don't do it for the best reason. No, perhaps not. But it does. The concept itself. I mean, a lot of things are like that. But, yeah, yeah I could totally see the virtual kamikaze being a thing with fucking social media doom scrolling. And I'm glad you got off of the fucking face hole because what lieth there but shadow? No, I'm just, uh, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I just am on Instagram for the dogs. That's it. <laughs> that is my last connection to social media. I also, oh, yeah, you know what? No, I uh, I have a permanent link to my uh, partner's Twitter page because sometimes they will, uh, you know, I, I like to see what kind of stuff that they think is neat because they will retweet, you know, stuff that they think is neat. A lot of the time it's fun art. That, I suppose that's a more efficient system than shaking their shoulder at fucking 3 a.m. Hey, what you watching lately? Hey, is anything good on? Every now and again, they will tweet about me and I like seeing people mention my name. So there's that too. <laughs> uh, all right. My original point yeah. about this incident that it's not a good funny thing but the timing is funny oh yeah you were telling a story so the huffington post and its eternal downward spiral <laughs> a good thing happened in that their canadian branch just unionized like across the board oh that's great then about five minutes later they shut down the canadian branch like it was so fast you can't fucking believe it you people say that you believe in things and i want you to remember this is the huffington post it's the anti-breitbart the lip service mouthpiece of our fucking generation. Mm -hmm. Making. S it had a phase where, like, Slate looked like fucking Fox, or at least Centerline C SPAN relative to <laughs> what they would put out, just guns out, fuck it. And the second they caught a whiff of a union, they don't even know if it's a powerful union. It could have been the most limp wristed rubber stamp union in fucking Canadian history. But and that they, was fucking it then. They took that dog out back and shot it, and that's some wild shit. I was, uh, speaking of imposters, <laughs> I was at the subway today, and, you know, like an actual hard-in-the-faint communist sees my, uh, my anti-Nazi patch and gives me some literature and makes me feel like, what the fuck have I been doing this entire time? Because I don't actually know that I'm... I don't really organize with anyone. Mostly, <laughs> I... Around, you know, let's say, last November, say, I was just sort of stomping around our neighborhood hoping that a proud boy would see me <laughs> because I was carrying it. You know, I'm not actually going to incriminate myself. Uh, because, you know, I was hoping I was hoping uh, that we could get in an argument, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're hoping for some spirited debate. So that's sort of like the extent of the actions that I took beyond, you know, like, like Danny would suggest a thing to donate to. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was I was like, yeah, it's all a uh, solidarity. <laughs> I, uh, I've read the literature. I've heard rumors about this. Spectre Europe, yeah. Uh, I, I love the work you guys do, though. I like the time that you guys, you know, you, you got rid of the, the Monopoly piece that's like the fast car. 
That was really cool. And the money bag, I bet you beat that Monopoly piece too. <laughs> good, good shit. Yeah, it's funny running into uh, stuff in the wild when you have, you know, the freedom to walk outside without dying, which isn't really a feature of the pandemic. And something I could almost relate to about today's show in a really sideways kind of way. I was wondering how we were going to segue. I am potent. My ninjutsu is fucking great. Because the fucking Pacific Rim universe probably has one of the fuckiest overworld maps to travel <laughs> in science fiction. I'm thinking of, like, the fucking Gundam map, how there's just a big fucking hole where Sydney <laughs> used to be. I imagine it looks something like that, except, you know, more of them. So, like, more of them, though. According to this show, one of them is definitely in Sydney. So... Pacific Rim The Black is the uh, seven-episode yeah. Netflix series, uh, anime series. And yeah, I would say that this counts as, as anime. I don't think The Blood of the Gods quite did. If, if you have to draw a line between what is anime and what is not anime, I draw the line between Castlevania on the anime side and Blood of the Gods on the not-quite-anime side. Uh, my pithy one for this one is, uh, could this show have progressed naturally? If Gargoyles had come out, but Tezuka died in his sleep at some point. <laughs> and I think that Zeus could have rolled around and this would look very different. Mm. Especially this one down to the fucking character designs. They are definitely trying to evoke the direct mecha lineage. Uh, and, you know, Pacific Rim, just as a cultural Rim, yeah. product, is DNA so, level. amazingly, I, I, you could almost... You could almost say that the original movie, live action though it may have been, was anime. And I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with you, but I think it was it's definitely a defensible position. At least as far as cross-platform love letters go, hmm. Pacific Rim is like as strong a love letter through the concept of Mecha. Ironically, not ironic, it's not irony, but interestingly drawing... Basically from the super robot spectrum on the characterization front and real robot on the world consequences and action style front. Oh, I don't know. I've seen plenty of dark super robot shows that feel kind of like Pacific Rim does. Fair enough. Maybe I just need to widen my fucking Mazinger. Voltis V, Diatarn 5, that kind of stuff. Mm. It was called the... Okay, I can't remember the third entry because I never saw it, uh, but... There's a thing called, like, the Robot Romance Trilogy. Recommend one of the better ones to me, because I can already kind of see how you do that. Like, it's almost like how Berserk plays out, like, the world sucks, this one guy is borderline invincible, it can't de-suck the world. Yeah, maybe one of these days we'll just get around to watching one or all three of these, but, like, yeah, it's, it's Diatarn, Diatarn 5, or, yeah, Diatarn 5, Voltes V, and then there was... Again, there's a third one, and I'm forgetting its name, but those three, like, they were all done by the same team, had the same dude behind them, had the same kind of bittersweet, this is very, this is all very destructive kind of, uh, kind of vibe to them. I, uh, I, I sort of see Pacific Rim as being a little bit part of that lineage, but also very much its own thing. All right, so maybe much more of a direct love letter than I anticipated. So this is a continuation within that film's universe as uh, Sam established, and... I think it takes place after the second film. Yeah. And not to flatten our whole episode dialogue around the various elements, mm -hmm. but some shows are animated and not written, and some shows are written and not animated. 
And boy, do I like the things my ears were hearing during Into the Black and the episode summaries of Into the Black. And honestly, a lot of the robot on kaiju sequences Into the Black sort of work in the style. But it is a testament to how much I like fucking robots that I didn't pull a Doro Hedoro on how everything looked. Yeah, I was um I was wanting to do that a whole lot because this entire animation style was a mistake and we need to go fucking back. <laughs> like I don't necessarily mind it for some of the between shots and say attack on Titan or whatever. Right, but when you have every single fucking movement of everyone's fucking mouth, if you have all of the characters constantly animated in this style, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. Anime character designs were not meant to exist in a 3D space. I don't know why shows like this keep cropping up other than the fact that Montiam's brief, glorious sparkler of a life had one really catch on. Maybe it's cost effective. I don't know. I don't know. They must be. It must be. Otherwise, why? Because they know that it looks like shit. They have to know that it looks like shit. Is it more cost-effective than just a 3D show in a style that embraces the 3D thing more, or...? God, I... I have to fucking wonder. Like, would a low-detail, like, fucking dream... Because I know DreamWorks does TV shows, so there has to be, like, a TV budget level. Well, those look kind of shitty, too, but in different ways. In a different ways, like... They're, they're, they're way more, uh... The, the animation makes everyone look more like a puppet uh, than this. This, everyone's just very stiff. And um, am, I, am I not being fair to just the amount of sheer human borderline slavery it takes to make 3D animation work? Could be, I don't like, know. Is, is, is that it? But I don't know. Just because something is hard, it doesn't mean it contributes to the art of the thing. Like, it would be hard to... write your script then translate it into Swahili then translate it into Latin then translate it into Japanese translate it back to English back to Chinese and back to English and just pop that on TV that way but you'd have something really chopped and fucking screwed at that point shit that's intellectually interesting but you get what I'm trying to say I think that there's a program online that you could use to do something like that like you type in a sentence and you have it run through Google Translate you know one of however many times you choose Remind me to look that up. I think I found it on Reddit once. Oh, I'm also not on Reddit anymore. That was a good idea, too. Yeah, Reddit is as much of a time hole as walking across the country on foot, but you will not get any of the endurance benefits. No. No, you, uh... <laughs> You'll just get angry at something and disillusioned. So... So I have a... I have a an idea that I guess I want to talk about insofar as this show. So this show, you know, the premise is that um, all the efforts to stop and beat the kaiju of the last two movies have uh, completely been for naught, uh, right? Uh, they, uh, the, the kaiju have reinvaded uh, because of the, you know, precursors sending them. I think they're referred to as the precursors in canon. Uh, uh, because of the precursors sending them across rifts to the point where they have to... Uh, to the point where they have to abandon entire continents. Uh, for instance, Australia, which is where this series takes place. Just Australia after, you know, everyone... After it was evacuated by all but uh, basically Mad Max gangs. Uh, in short, it's not going well. 
But the um, what I'm getting at, right, is there is this conversation that is had sometimes, especially as regards sequels, when the premise of the sequel is the undoing of past victories, uh, victories you know of the previous uh, films. I think the um, uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy got a whole lot of flack for this. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe deservedly, maybe not. I would just like to sort of talk about it. You know, look at the pro- look at the uh, look at the issue from space uh, right now. Uh, and this is basically doing a very similar thing. And that uh, for whatever reason, uh, kind of no reason, the actions that had been taken up to now, right, had basically been for naught. They had been a stalling tactic at best against this thing. And um, oh, I Bioware's um. The Old Republic, Star Wars The Old Republic Mm -hmm. uh, MMO did this thing too. It's something that's on my mind a lot because amidst my 17 other nerd holes that people hear about, Mm -hmm. I'm also into like Western superhero comics. And a lot of the best runs basically recontextualize the premise or origin story in a way that is the same thing but different but sort of the soul of the thing is the same. Mm-hmm. An example of this is, I think it was Rick Remender. I might just be projecting Rick Remender's name because I love the guy. It was after Ed Brubaker. But this cap- there was this Captain America run where Captain America was essentially shunted to like a futuristic microverse type of setting where he's completely alienated and has to relearn like what's like living. Eh? 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 And it's a great story, but it sort of makes you... Th- but if you're a critical type, you have to sometimes you have to wonder about the value of sort of almost pressing reset on this character. And I think I take it as a case by case basis, which is borderline that answer of it depends on the execution. But I guess the reason why I'm okay with Into the Blacks, I think it's script, just called the Black, the Black. Why I'm okay with Pacific Rim, the Blacks version of this is. In Pacific Rim, basically the way I read it across these three media properties, one of which of dubious quality, humanity is always basically Rocky in the first movie getting up (laughs) for another fucking round. And Kaiju continuing to come out after these wild nuclear blows of the first and presumably second film... And humanity still maintaining these heroics and still holding on is at least a version of a thematic loop I can hold on to for a while. Okay. At some point, I would perhaps be more impressed if they could manage it in the way that Gundam kind of does these things, where just time goes on and new factions and co- and conflicts emerge. Oh, just in a people way that... will always find a fantastic reason to kill one another that they think is a great reason that they think is the best reason exactly like the first good reason that's ever existed they find they found it here it is here's the reason that we should be killing one another in the name of this thing here like out of the long-running franchises i love Mm -hmm. gundam is probably one of the just the best at like the eternal thematic loop sure and but the um the the thing is that gundam is about that eternal loop that well how violence is just such a part of the human experience that we will never be rid of it one could say that is because um 
Oh my god, pause. What's the name of Gundam's creator again? I'm having a Yoshiki Tomino. One could argue that Tomino knows how to play the goddamn game and looping it in that way. Like, it. think of Dark's... Th- like, maybe he thought about how the mechanics of these franchises work. Mm-hmm. If you know the kind of space you're entering and you can build room for that kind of looping yourself, you're another kind. You're like, think of why we love those FromSoft games so much. All the video gamey stuff, they just bake mechanically into the storytelling. Sure. Where I am going with this is that in terms of eternal thematic loops, I give Pacific Rim's, like, a B. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not it's not as elegant as some I've seen, but I find it maybe no, a bit I, less No, I definitely distracting. do not think that it is. I If I were to say um, a franchise where I am starting to sort of squint a little, and here's my called shot of the episode, Eva's fun. <laughs> Evangelion is fun. If your ass comes to the table with the same story outline, ooh, but he went in a slightly different direction of this character, my fucking ass. I just think it's everyone, the world, the world, not just the people of the world who watch the show, not just Hideaki Anno, but reality itself just so rejected the idea that it was over, that this was it when End of Evangelion premiered, that the universe contrived itself to create more of Evangelion until they got it right this time, until they could until they could really like wrap their fucking heads around what this thing was and how it made them feel, and until they were satisfied because they they were so denied catharsis <laughs> before that they were going to have it this time. And Anna was like, okay, fine, I'll give it to you. Maybe. He kind of like played coy there for a while because those first two rebuild films were, yeah, this is just going to be like a kind of softer version of it. Then three comes out. <laughs> no, no, this is Evangelion. Who the fuck did you think you were dealing with? <laughs> Great. Solid point. My whole point as to the eternal here we go again sort of sort of there's there's got to be a better um i think on tv tropes it's called the happy ending override right Mm -hmm. um is just like they they did the thing they saved the world guess what it's back you're back to square one right and it make you know the the con right is it makes the victory feel hollow it makes all the previous victories feel hollow uh, and, you know, it can come off as dramatically lazy. But the thing is, is that it doesn't feel, to me, always at least, so much of a cynical fabrication of, you know, okay, so they liked it the first time, they'll like it if we do it again the exact same way the second time. It feels less like that to me, because this sort of shit just happens in real life, mm-hmm. throughout history. A whole lot of the time. Just the same fucking problem every, at most, half century or so. <laughs> Maybe a little bit different this time than last time. You remember how many fucking crusades there were? I think it was like 12. I mean, I know there are enough crusades that there is a debate over which ones are crusades and which ones are like the crusades brood war. I was still like arguing over... 
which of the Fate series count as the, the main canon and which are side canon, what is Gaiden and what is numbered. It's like that, only the Fate series is way worse than the Crusades. You will get no argument from me here, no. <laughs> I, I do dig that, and honestly, if you want to get reverse cinema sins with it, mm-hmm. something that is kind of a free gate with them is that the heroic ending of the first movie is basically them nuking one city in another world. And after you nuke one city in another world, the next thing they might do is get testy. They might have some issues with you. I really liked the way that first movie played just... Like, in terms of loosely sketching something in a way that gave it a sense of scale, just this whole alien civilization just looking up at this thing coming down. Oh, no! And I got to learn how you say, oh, fuck me, an alien. It's a very useful series of gurgles to have as a diplomat. So premise-wise. Okay, so premise-wise. Premise-wise. This this time our focus sort of comes in on these two kids which kind of gave me this borderline bait and switch impression of what kind of show this was going to be to the point where i wonder if they lied to the fucking producers or something (laughs) but let's focus on these two kids who are kind of this military legacy like their parents are jaeger pilots the uh, the older of the two was training to be a jaeger pilot prior to you know shit going down the uh you could call it like the Shiganshima incident. Mm. I think it's actually just called the inciting incident. But <laughs> but but when the inciting incident is a complete disaster and your parents are torn from you and the world all but ends, or at least your your you know sort of little sector of the world all but ends. I I sort of refer to that because it's you start you start notice this thing happening in anime. Oh, I'd say a little bit you know around twenty thirteen thereabouts. Uh, a little bit after 2013, maybe. For whatever reason, I call that the Shiganshima incident, uh, and that was uh, I think um, that what was Sam this is getting at is get ready for the uh, next 20 years of media critique to be framed around Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> this show is really taking its time with the sort of ratcheting of both the stakes and the scale that these two can operate on. Yeah, it's not very episodic. And they're, they're sort of just grinding through the setting. Like, they get a training Jaeger at the minor expense of all their friends and their refuge value. Which I dig. Which I dig, yeah. There's a... It very much, uh, it sets it sets a really good tone for this series. Although, mm-hmm. you do kind of encounter problems when you have a tone such as the one that they're going for. Um, and also other factors such as the TV 14 rating, mm-hmm. the kind of janky animation that makes any sort of grim darkness a little bit less so. I almost would pay for a transcript. <laughs> I know I'm being very, I don't know if vituperative is the word, 
when it comes to the animation here. But it is kicking my eyes in the cock. There was, and I like so much else about this show. That... I do like a lot about this show. Yeah, I... There is some sort of dissonance present in this show that I... And it's a tonal dissonance that I can't quite... I can't quite put my finger on it. But it's there. And it it, it exists somewhere within the subject matter, the animation, I think the color palette maybe, uh, and then how, I guess, adult or how gory or just, you know, the, the rating, I guess. And somewhere between those four factors, somewhere in the little area that exists in between those four factors is the dissonance that I'm looking for, but cannot quite nail down in one sentence. I think you are totally right about that and i think i have my own personal theory about it because mm-hmm. basically whenever someone says like 18 or why a thing is good and i find out it actually is good and they're not just fucking lying to me yeah i'm looking at you girl who told me to try reading a mortal engines excerpt and <laughs> have you ever just like started being less attracted to someone in real time as you consume something it's crazy but i just remember like those first two hunger games movies and thinking that woody harrelson was very funny in them (laughs) anyway my point is that whatever one of those things is built in a way that has some appeal to me depending on your fandom this is going to seem like a really pretentious way of putting it but just where i'm at Mm -hmm. it's basically bouncing against its cage Like, it is doing... It is basically contorting itself within the fucking comics code to tell this story in this cool way. Sure. And congratulations on doing it, but you will feel that dissonance sometimes as you sometimes have to return to Root. Yeah, okay, I think that's a very good point. And sometimes I feel that in this show when, like... Example, first episode... They just have to, like, almost wink at the idea that, ooh, these teen drama elements might be present before they completely wax all these kids. Oh, so the the thing that was making that not work as well as they wanted it for me was just the fact that it was... <laughs> they basically took the assets that were these character models, um, put a couple of scuffs on them, and had them be lying down, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, with, with their eyes closed... Uh, which is the danger that you run into uh, when you can't actually draw them, when you just have these pre-rendered models yeah, um, uh, that you can't really alter, to, or you do not have the money to alter too much, because I was looking at... It's just like, like a giant fucking... This colossal fucking building-sized, multiple building-sized monster just came in, wrecked everyone's shit. There shouldn't even be bodies anymore, but there are, and these bodies... Maybe they died of fear or something because they look they look okay. They don't seem to have injuries. They seem to have dust on their clothes. And that was that was supposed to mean that they were dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just looking at them like, come on, man. Fuck. I've gotta be honest. Like I, I know be... it's T V fourteen, but you couldn't have had like a little pile of blood, a little puddle of blood. I've gotta be honest. In terms of consumer forces, and talent and what doesn't doesn't work in this show. I need you to imagine a fucking collaboration written by the next generation team, animated by the Exarm team, and run on fucking Cartoon Network at like eight PM. <laughs> 
And that is what this show is like. And I'm really interested in it. I wouldn't... Okay. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't... Okay, not... Okay, that's... Maybe that's... Not, not that XRMD, like... Okay, what's the... Iron Man Armored Adventures? Sure, yeah. Iron Man Armored Adventures, okay. Which actually might be even just a decent descriptive Iron Man Armored Adventures, but whatever. Mm. My point is, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I almost... Okay. I'm going to recommend the show for a very selfish reason. Sure. I want you to watch this show and bump its ratings and bump its metrics so they can get to a season two. And listen to me. Listen to me. This is the only time I could ever talk directly to a staff or producer or anything. Mm-hmm. Whoever you need to punch or bribe or give an over-the-pants hand job to, fix, <laughs> to get some kind of second animation situation going on here. See, this is what ended up happening with the Dragon Prince. Yeah? First season. Choppy, 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 choppy. It's really fucking super noticeable. Second, and especially third seasons. Way, way the fuck less, so it hurts far less to watch it. I really hope we can get that fucking progression going. Man. It's interesting, because, like, it's... This core clash between it is so strong. I haven't even said that much about the individual story arcs or characters. I mean, I watched the whole thing. I could, like, lay out more summary. But it's really the thing that just sits on your mind as you watch The Black. I do have, a, like, a nitpick or two that we could uh, that we could go into. Like the, Let's dive in. What's the name of the AI character? It doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> it's annoying. It's an annoying character. She is a gaming console from a 2005 webcomic. <laughs> Speaking at all the human characters in Snark. Like, you could be fighting better than you are, meatbags. I am trying not to die. There are children here. What's wrong with you? The last time this was funny was with HK47. And it's forever after. Was it a cliche and was it boring? And it has not stopped being a boring cliche like you know cannot when, process better dialogue like i remember fucking um fucking mass effect right mm-hmm. and uh edie and how she was this really interesting send-up to the sarcastic computer <laughs> because she was very well-intentioned and liked humans and people and you know she had wit or something to her but she was this great anti-hk 47 uh who was a humanist she was like an AI humanist, and that was yeah. really clever, and they... It was nice. They were, we're just sort of back to... So, in the final episode, while the uh, while she's just kind of sitting there, uh, or while the, while the Jaeger that she inhabits is uh, just kind of sitting there because they had business to conduct on the ground, uh, the, the sort of, I guess, main antagonist of the season, which is just this kaiju that has been following them, uh, oh, and they them. have sort of a dahaka setup. They got kind of a dahaka, uh, except he's you know, sixty stories tall. Mm. Finds, finds them. Finds the Jaeger, attacks the Jaeger, and there's this moment that would have been more funny had this AI character not just spent the last six episodes being the fucking. I don't even remember the name of the fucking character, but the Xbox robot from Control Alt. <laughs> I think it's Xbot. Sure. <laughs> the Jaeger is about to knock her down and start tearing her apart, and she just sort of she actually sighs and says, "Of course," 
And had she been straight-faced this entire time and then picked this, like, straight-laced patient this entire time and picked this moment to be kind of sarcastic, that would have been fucking gut-busting. Just because the uh, the AI is has more personality than you thought they did. Or, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fun little subversion of expectations right there. Uh, but she's just acting in line with the same fucking cliched, you know, like humans is so stupid kind of thing that has uh, been out of style uh, for so goddamn long that I don't know why they thought they might try and bring it back because I don't know why we still do this after how fucking fun data was for one thing. Yes. That was 30 I'll, years ago. That was 30 years ago. Going on 40. No, it's closer to 40 years ago now. I'm going to frame my dislike for the robot character with a very positive element of the show, which is say I just like the broad sweep of the characters. Yes. Yeah, generally like speaking. The, the main couple's red oni, blue oni, opposite approaches to trauma thing works. Let's not call them a couple. Ooh, ooh. I'm going to just redo... Should I just redo that dialogue? Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's funny now. Uh, okay. The main... The, but yeah, okay, the main siblings, the main comrades, the, sibling the battle... duo. The battle duo. They're oh, I'm so opposite. glad that they introduced a couple more human characters, because when this show inevitably acquires a fandom, however large or small, right? Mm. You know how fandoms fucking do. If I there's do. a character, they will find a ship for that character. And if there is only one other character, then it's gonna be that character. Doesn't matter what kind of blood ties may or may not exist, they're shipped now. So, and if there isn't another character... Then they will ship that character with itself, as we saw with the fucking Lorax movie. So I like those two. I grew to like May, who is basically their Wolverine. Kiss me, but I don't give a t- no, she's not that bad. She's not. She's not that. She's not that bad. You know, everything is shades at some point, and the sort of secondary antagonist kind of makes sense as just someone who might thrive in this fucking hellscape of what's left over i hate to be nitpicky but he's kind of dumb he is kind of dumb they should have shot him very he's, he's he's kind of really fucking dumb uh and but just just is makes the most evil decision possible what i get in, in I'm a given at, moment is that i'm just down with most of the core cast right yeah and every time the robot kicks in all I hear is a fucking South Park. Oh, Towley, you're a terrible character. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> then the scene continues. So yes, there is a Towley. There is a Towley in this show, and I, I... I guess I shouldn't overrepresent her fucking screen time. No, yeah, she's she's there. I I just remember thinking it's like kind of ridiculous whenever um, whenever the character has like a little moment where like the machine has trauma or something like that because it found, you know, clearly, you know, they, they, they don't tell you, but they telegraph it. They come across the wreckage of the Jaeger that it was once the AI of, and it has this, I'm sorry. I had a moment just now. <laughs> and it was more ridiculous than affecting. Like, Hey, uh-huh. just again, how, te- how telegraphed this eventual twist, because again, they don't, actually tell you that you know the, this ai had been in this jaeger and you know this battle had happened right. and it was bad uh and now they're in this jaeger instead uh they don't tell you any of that but what is the line that that yahtzee gave uh that if you couldn't figure out the the twist to the original assassin's creed game something like i don't know it was probably it was probably a not cool thing. 
Uh, oh, but uh, it, I'm sure he said something that I can't say right now, being someone of the same disposition age he was back then. Man, how the times change. How the cookie crumbles. Probably for the better. Probably. And, uh... But, uh, you, I'd like to... if, you, if you've watched shows, if you've watched shows, if you've read books, if you've seen movies, if you've read comics... If then, your mom told you stories when you were growing up... Then when they telegraph this eventual twist... You will be able to pick up on it. Even uh, if I just told you what it was just now. If I could temper those two nitpicks with what I like the best about this show. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that... Honestly, I think Pacific Rim had kind of a specific approach and appeal. Which might be the problem it had with its sort of franchise expansions in the past. Mm-hmm. And I do really feel like the people writing, producing, whatever the fuck this get it a lot. And one way that really shines is just how they thought through all the little drift stuff. Yes. I mean, that that was clearly... It really seems like the showrunners had the first couple movies as a blueprint, right? Mm-hmm. And the most fascinating idea that they came up with... Because I wouldn't call the Jaegers fascinating. They're really fucking cool. They're mm-hmm. really great... They're a really great foundation upon which to build uh, the franchise, right? Because giant fucking building-sized robots, you know, punching the shit out of uh, kaijus. It's never not going to be cool, right? But the most interesting thing about Pacific Rim was the idea of the drift. Yeah. Um, And so that seems to be what this series is most interested in. And they think about it as both kind of like a fun sci-fi thing and as, honestly, one of the most pass-go-collect-$200 dramatic devices that you could have for a mecha thing, which is one of the things I always liked about it. Mm-hmm. Like the shared mental space, the secondary, the second-order consequences of that. I don't know if it's an intentional sort of homage to Gundam, but the whole here's robots, and also as a consequence of that, psychic powers. Yeah, yeah, I'm... Really looking forward to seeing if Taylor is dragged out to hell with our eventual main antagonist with him. <laughs> oh, Camille. Uh, he's, he, 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 he screamed and cried and shit and pissed. <laughs> At length. At length. Not that I didn't love Zeta Gundam, but Camille screamed and cried and shit and pissed. The show... It's interesting in that it doesn't cart out the max robot action every episode. No, they and don't it's do right the, uh... on the line between like, you know, good withdrawal and come on, let me come. <laughs> you, well, here's the thing. The fact that we were able to just watch the damn thing in one sitting meant that it um, handled its interest curve. Very, very well. That's a good point. Usually, I will get antsy when watching uh, that much of a show at a time. It is rare that I find a series that I can sit down and watch seven, even like three episodes of at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that I can do that with... Um... No, I could totally do that with Full Metal Alchemist. Who the fuck do I think I'm kidding? You could do that accidentally with Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> you could be on the way to work... And think, oh, I'm going to watch an old anime intro. And then I find myself in the fucking Bronx because I missed West Force. You're going to find yourself in fucking Connecticut. <laughs> oh, did I get Gre- here? The MTA doesn't even go. <laughs> Greed is going to be saying dialogue to father. 
Uh. Wait, when does... Yes, okay, no, I remember now. They, they don't share scenes until later. They don't share scenes until later, yeah. But I, I feel like Greed dies before they get to Father. He's part second of Greed, second Greed dies. Yeah, I'm okay. thinking, go sorry, on. second Greed stands out so fucking much that I just sort of think of him as Greed as my default thing in my fucking head. Sure, yeah, I think I think he's sometimes known as Greedling because Greed and also Ling. Greedling. I dig it. This is great, it's a great little nickname. It's like, it's it's fun to say and it is indicative of you know facts about his character that the first greed did not have it's nice when good things come out of fandoms very some, rarely do they some very bad has gone fandom lately in case it spills over to you you need to get caught up on your whole like kaguya hero aka spectrum before any of that chatter see remember when i said earlier in this episode though that i was completely divorced from social media now so that shit ain't happening. He is unfettered, everyone. Look at him, walking through the air, above and beyond all things. Anyway, in a heroic moment, spoiler, 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 within Into the Black, the uh, brother of our sibling pair here, you know, does a single man drift for a bit. Well, they, they start this thing called ghost drifting, where you almost, like, partner with someone's memory. You partner with... I, I guess a memory slash psychological profile that the uh, that the AI has stored more or less. I get like someone's psychological thinking, oh, imprint. That's, oh, that's interesting. Why don't they just do that all the time? Oh, oh, he he thinks some of those memories are his now, and they have not sorted that out. At See, his. I loved the idea of having memories that aren't yours ever since they kind of alluded to that in Mass Effect Two. Like, yeah. remember that one uh, that one mission where you go into the dead reaper and you like see recordings of people remembering shit about one another uh because of weird reaper shit that happens i don't know there's something about that that just is super fucking cool to me this the psychological horror thing of just the walls of your mind breaking down and things are let out and other things are let in and you do not know what is yours anymore and what you know previously was someone else's i always love things like that like that's the kind of thing you really come to like soft sci-fi properties for yeah yeah because it's it's ridiculous when you look at any sort of hard sci- but like it's, it's it's a fun idea it's a fun idea it makes you thankful that you know books like star maker kicked down the door 70 years ago and said but what if what if <laughs> Use your best fucking hardcore history voice. Imagine, if you will, Australia is a ruin. And the only way to get through it is improving your relationship with your sister. (laughs) I don't know why. They're very different sci-fi writers. I always get fucking Heinlein and Samuel Delaney crossed in my head. Uh, Samuel Delaney was the one who wasn't a fascist. Yes, yes. They are very, very different writers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i think i just need to reread a book by one each and then read highlight like oh oh no <laughs> oh troubling sorry those are my bullets when it comes to pacific rim into the black yeah i think i said into the black again pacific rim the black god damn it let's just start again so yeah those are my bullets when it comes to uh, pacific rim the black it's almost cliched to say this but you know this has promise 
This does. I'd like to see where it goes. B b b. It's definitely a pitch season, right? Yeah. The way that uh, Castlevania's first season was, although I thought that Castlevania's first season was fucking flawless. Castlevania's first season. That was all they made. I still would have just been like doing little chef's kiss kind of thing. I would have been trying to convince myself that I should have smiled because it happened, but no, I would have been fucking blue balls if they had stopped there. Fair, fair. I would have like been going around being like, yeah, but isn't it cool that there was an adaptation of a video game property <laughs> and it was like really cool instead of absolute garbage or sanded down to nothingness? Oh, by <laughs> the way, uh, that Sonic the Hedgehog movie, I, it was sanded down to nothingness. That movie makes me wonder, what is the point... At which a media property doesn't exist. I hated it more than I would have had it been absolutely fucking terrible. Because it could give you that cat's kind of joy. And yes. they want to keep that from us now. They're afraid. They're afraid of the fire. But when you said this has potential, mm-hmm. Pacific Rim the Black Suit, like not Sonic the Hedgehog movie, there will never no, be it, a good it, Sonic the Hedgehog film. It didn't have potential. When, when, you, when you spend that much time and effort on a story just... I feel like we talked about this in an earlier episode, and we're just repeating what we were saying. All right, then we'll jump off the point. Okay. But yeah, money talks. Sometimes you don't want to listen. Yeah. And Here's my sells, but sometimes you have to wonder who's buying. Pacific Rim: The Black having extra potential. Yes. Those old fucking Artemis Fowl books said like, if a plan needs more than three things to go right, it's a bad plan, right? Yeah. To be good. The black does not need three things to go right. It needs one thing to go right. <laughs> it just needs the animation to go right. So I think we can all just buy in here. And it just has a better shot than a lot of things I've given more credit. Yeah, I think it's got more interesting shit that I want to see more of than I think uh, Blood of the Gods ultimately did. Uh, I find myself cooling on that series just a little bit as uh as i get further away from it i mean i think blood of the gods has the problem that's not exceptional in any one way like... yeah that's the thing blood of the gods is fine uh it's not no one in it is too particularly interesting the action scenes are all better than five out of ten honestly we are probably just a little starved of great things in that particular tradition or lineage. Well, no, Castlevania. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're starved, it's that we're gorged. That's the problem. I need more chicken. <laughs> it's a buffet. See, because... We've gotta have more chicken. That's what happened. That's, what, that's exactly what fucking happened. We got Blood of the Gods, you know, in the wake of Castlevania. And Castlevania is... You know, it's written by Warren Ellis. It's uh, animated by people who are just absolutely in love with what they are doing. It was the easiest sell I've encountered in something in some fucking time. Honest to fucking God. So you have that, and then you've got Blood of the Gods, which is, I guess, what we're now talking about, even if I previously clarified that I do not think that it's anime. I mean, we're talking about a Netflix original. It's related. Okay, sure. Yeah, fine. And then you have Blood of the Gods, and it's kind of melancholy in a way that's not exceptionally interesting that it's interesting enough to keep you watching it i guess Uh um 
But I do remember that we were watching that one one episode at a time instead of all seven at once the way we were with this. Because it just uh, didn't... I don't know. The characters weren't as interesting. Yeah, I think that might have been the big thing. That was sort of the flat sector it. By the way, it occurs to me, it's really funny. We are like 50 or whatever minutes in. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've mentioned it's a Netflix fucking original. Into the Black. I mean, no, Into the no, Black. Not no, Into no. the Black. Why the do you keep calling it Into the Black? black? <laughs> because Into the Black sounds like a title. It sounds like something I'd have played. Uh, no, I, I said it at the very beginning of the episode that it was a Netflix anime. Oh, thank God. Okay. Maybe it's the first time in 50 minutes you mentioned it. In any case, mm-hmm. humans of the internet that listeneth to this, I recommend it not because it will be a perfect ride, but because I believe that as a thousand tiny ants, we can lift this leaf to a higher animation budget. Yeah, and I, I also believe that you can like the things about a show that you like and have things about that show that you do not necessarily like. And that's sort of how I'm coming to terms with the sequel trilogy and what ended up happening with that. There are things yeah. that I'd like. There are things that I did not like. Ultimately, I enjoyed the experience overall. The aggregate. Yes. So. I'm going to whine about Pokemon now. It's time to whine about Pokemon. Welcome to Weeaboo Hell's favorite reality TV show. So, what has happened with you and their pokes? Alright, so, uh, I'm two years late for this. Because Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, I think, in 2019. Uh, but then 2020 happened, uh, which, I don't know, I feel like of officially, unofficially, it came out a year ago. Because uh, I'm not going to discount the existence of last year in a sort of, like, <laughs> problematic sort of, oh, can we just pretend that no one wrote Harry Potter sort of way. Um, but... It kind of came and went in such a way that I... It felt, while you're having a dream, the dream mm-hmm. has some amount of substance. The dream takes an amount of time to get through. But when it's over, once you've woken up from that dream, <laughs> it feels just like a series of images that you kind of remember a little bit. And that is what 2020 feels like to me. If you're into metal, if your memory of any stretch of time can just have fucking crack the sky lyrics sort of dribbled <laughs> over it. I think you can almost just count I that. The sun before it yeah, I I think you can really just scratch that whole block of time off. Uh yeah. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> we only just got the switch. Right? So we should have gotten it at the beginning of the uh at the beginning of the pandemic because uh, you know, we uh we were, you know, 1,200 flush each, you know, and there was, uh, there was Animal Crossing out. Morgan is convinced that, I, that they are going to get me into Animal Crossing. I don't know, maybe. But what... A challenge. The, 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 the point I'm getting at here uh, is Pokemon was not meant to have this many quality of life features. And that is ultimately what puts the gen 8 games in the red for yours truly even though there are things i like like have they just wrecked the difficulty curve or it's not as though there aren't difficult fights 
but fights are really only one aspect of these games, mm-hmm. right? I don't necessarily play Pokemon for the fights. I don't necessarily love Pokemon for the fights. It's not that it's not that it's not an aspect that I do enjoy and that I do love. But Pokemon is not just its fights. There's other shit. Um, for instance, the whole grand adventure aspect of the of the series of the franchise i guess one of its strengths is the range of things that people take from it like just brief aside because the contrast here is funny because you say don't play for the fights whereas i'm playing fucking ufc gym manager three okay so yeah i do love being the general manager of a baseball team basically (laughs) like that is how that is that is my personality when I play these games. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, I take a look at, you know, the next gym. You know, it's just like, okay, so they're the team to beat this uh, this, uh, <laughs> this 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 Sunday. And, you know, I'll, uh, I will build my team around, like, whatever the next gym leader or is. Or I, oftentimes what I'll do is maybe I'll... And maybe this is almost a dishonest way of playing it. I'll see what, what the champion does, right? I'll see what their team looks like. And then... I'll build the team to beat that team. <laughs> um, or if I'm playing a little bit more honestly, I'll build the team full of, you know, shit from this generation, new, 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 uh, new additions to the, uh, to the roster and maybe a couple Pokemon from previous generations. Right. And I'll build it to be as versatile as possible, able to win as many battles against as many varieties of team as there could be as possible. Mm-hmm. and the uh the sort of joy not the joy of doing this but the point you you're, you're looking for two things right you're looking for type coverage right which is to say a pokemon of a certain type comes out against you and you want to be able to kill that fucking guy okay crosshairs now there are i believe 18 types right at this point i think it's 18 types and you have I'm making a thinking face. You've got six Pokemon on a team. Each of these Pokemon has four moves. You can have mm-hmm. twenty-four moves. Mm-hmm. Conceivably, eighteen of those moves could be of one type each. So, any one Pokemon comes out that has a weakness against one of these types, right? And you've got them. But there's also the aspect of type diversity. That has to do with you. Now, type coverage is your ability to, you know, hit, kill any one Pokemon that you come up against. Type diversity is your ability to avoid having that happen to you. Ah. Having it happen so that no two Pokemon on your team share a weakness. And if they do, then they better be bringing something extra special to the table. I take it as extra important if you're one of those weird Poke PvP people. Yeah, I'm not that nuts, though. There are deeper shades than ours, folks. <laughs> there are deeper, darker waters in which things that look like Jaws but are legally distinct. I draw by... the line at IVs. EVs, sure. I'll do EVs, maybe. IVs, look, if it's got a good nature and I know, you know, that I need to kill this many Machops in order to... EV train it on attack. That's good enough for me. 
For comparison, I'm playing Absolver, a game where you build a thing called Combat Deck, and the different moves you can put in your Combat Deck have frame startup data on the service for you to read, and I have never effort trained anything. Anything, yeah. <laughs> but uh, your point, as in terms of, back to your point here. Back to my point, right? So that is, that is the one of the joys that I get out of this is the team building thing. Um, the fun of that though is that. In the games that I have liked in this franchise, you have, you know, a pool of Pokemon with which to build your team. This pool gets larger as you go on, uh, but, you know, it is a pool. It is slightly smaller. And maybe I'm arguing against the expansion of the, the Pokemon roster, right? Because it started at 150, technically 151, if you knew who... Uh, which trainer to pause as they saw you and then fly to <laughs> Saffron City. Uh, right? 150. It started at 150, and now we're up past 800. So it's... You know, there's a lot to fucking choose from these days. Maybe that is what I'm arguing against. Because... And there's an argument you have... to be made that your roster doesn't need to be any larger than your stable of good ideas. Could be. Well, because here's what I found. Uh, in Gen 6 and now Gen 8 especially, uh, what happens is they did this thing that makes the world feel less like a world uh, where they will just throw 50 different Pokemon types at you pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Or 50 different Pokemon at you pretty much immediately. It's like, okay, catch any, you know any or all of them and then just assemble like whatever the fucking team with no limits on anything there's no you don't have to remember gen one right i do remember gen one rock um, pewter gem i almost lost one of those fucking things the game boy yeah brock pewter gem what do you fucking do about him if you pick charmander if i picked Charmander. Because you've got a problem now. You've got you've got to find some way of dealing with this asshole. I think I had to run in there with like five Pidgeys on backup and play General Ripper. See, I think the correct solution, the solution that they figured you might eventually fig- figure out is you uh get your uh you get yourself a Nidoran. Uh and eventually that'll learn double kick. Oh, god damn it, motherfucker. I mean, oh, that's an interesting idea. That would have been smart. That would have been real uh, real smart. Have you have you or, ever sent men to the trench, Sam? You get a butterfree. Have you ever watched a machine gun chew them to mulch? You use confusion, and hopefully, hopefully, your special attack is such to the point where they do not get a strike in on you because if they use fucking rock throw you're done for I ever looked into a Pidgey's eyes as the <laughs> light strained out of it Sam because I have the point being was that the somewhat limited pool of Pokemon that you had even when getting towards the end game in uh, generations like uh, one two three one through five let's say that added something because you have what you ended up choosing felt a little bit more meaningful than it does when you've got all these Pokemon. And Gen 8 actually nixed a few Pokemon. Like mm. There are a few that are unobtainable and people went fucking nuts that they were going to be unobtainable. Ah uh, yes, the great Poke Riots. 
Oh my god, there were so many fucking... They were so angry. I can't believe they burned down that target. I'm more upset with the artificial walls that uh, that the game puts out. For instance, in Gen 3, right? Mm-hmm. You are on Route 2. Do you know why you cannot catch a... I don't know... An electrike yet. Is this that mechanic I saw where you can enter an encounter with a wild Pokemon that you are not allowed to catch for reasons? The reason that you cannot catch an electrike yet when you are on Route 102 in Hoenn is because electrike is not on Route 102 in Hoenn. You start seeing them on Route 112, I believe, if I've got it right. Sunk as many fucking hundreds of hours. I, I better have it right. The reason that you could not catch, I think like an Onyx shows up, right? Mm-hmm. In Gen 8 is because the game tells you that you can't. Not until you have X number of badges. When there is a soft wall, that is what I have decided to call this, between you and that Pokemon, right? That is because it is on the other side of the world from you at this point. And that is the reason you cannot catch it. That's fine, because I can't go out into the streets of New York and expect to see a fucking, uh, I don't know, a Siberian tiger. No, I'm going to see fucking pigeons and rats for the most part, and maybe people walking their dogs. Those are the animals that I'm going to see. And that makes sense. But when it's in front of you... What kind of But what if it's in front of you and I have, theory. like, a voice from above saying, saying you are not actually... Like, let's say I go outside, I do see a Siberian tiger, and I've got this fucking voice saying, this tiger is not actually here. <laughs> I'm going to start asking some questions. Do not look at the man in the side of the room. Yeah, n- negative railroading like that, maybe it'll take you out of the experience a bit. Maybe it'll take a little bit of the magic and uh, not only pull apart the rainbow, but inform you that that rainbow is, in fact, the after effect of acid rain being dumped over Detroit at the moment. It's just... It's not a great game design approach. It's not a great game design approach because it's when, when you're given arbitrary limits, which you... Limits it's are good. Limits obvi- make games fun. But when these limits are arbitrary and seem to be more just prescribed than than anything else then uh they stop being fun they start making you remember that this isn't real it's like a bad dungeons and dragons interaction really yeah uh and then th- i was like, I, the I started reason this you by... can't do that is because yeah because the i don't know the dm did not write that content ultimately here's the thing ultimately insofar as railroading in D goes the DM's not going to be able to write everything, so mm-hmm. when the player makes some weird fucking decision that the DM does not have an answer for, because, like, they're not fucking omniscient, they're not going to know <laughs> that you were going to do that dumbass thing that's I going need to, to change go save everything. my father. <laughs> then you can be railroading. Like, no, no, I didn't fucking write this campaign to be this way. But, yeah, catching Pokemon is like a base fucking function in this yes, thing. Yes, it is, it is the... 
I get it. I get it. Especially, it is the most basic promise of this franchise. So if you're going to put that Pokemon there, then I'd better be able to fucking catch it conceivably. Maybe it has a lower catch rate or something like. I I don't know, but just the whole open field thing in um in Gen Eight was an interesting experiment that I do not think ultimately worked. And the uh, and you have to you that have... is why this system is here, by the way, because you could conceivably, I think, not everywhere, everywhere, but go. To a whole lot of places, really, really quickly, pretty much immediately, uh, in Gen 8. But, you know? It's a f- kind of a fascinating fuck-up to me, and I get it, because iterate something enough times, you're going to get some weird flaws down the way. Like, this, is basically, this is basically the product of inbreeding, in a way. Business inbreeding. But such a basic fuck-up, because... If you decide you're down to risk a little Roni and you want a physical copy because all servers die and you pick up one of the boxes in this fucking series, the first thing you're going to see on the back and sometimes front of half of them is gotta catch em all. And when you know that you found a fucking shiny Togepi on that first route or something and it said, you are insufficiently badged to get the egg... You might join the Mujahideen. <laughs> you might take that real personal. Oh, man. Fucking imagine if that fucking happened. If that thing that you're not, you know, you're not a bad enough dude to catch yet ends up being shiny. Morgan would have thrown the fucking controller through the TV. Jesus Christ. I know what would have happened because it's a movie called Falling Down. Yeah. They would have fallen down belting machine gun fire into a post office so here, here's a fun little segue for you so falling down was a man who's been driven to violence by life's little inconveniences right yeah yeah there are no inconveniences in pokemon sword and shield not really uh and that is what i'm going to be whining that was the original thing that i was whining about yeah. uh in 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 this is that uh so hms they've been more or less seeming to want to phase them out ever since gen 6 mm-hmm. um because i guess people didn't love the idea of having to have the sixth member of their team <laughs> just at any given time be you know a cab a cab or just, you know, this this dude who cuts things down and moves boulders or something like that. I don't know. I I get it. I get why people didn't necessarily like it, but I still think that it was a mistake to remove it as an aspect from the game. I mean, what they need to do is fill that design space or something. With something else. Something else that you need to think around. Right? Because instead you have... Um, Instead of surf, for instance, right? Uh, you have the uh, your bike just floats on water. My solution, extremely inelegant in a way, but the fucking um, Bismarckian solution to this is just make each HM its elements equivalent of hyper beam or fucking <laughs> blast bird or whatever. No one will ever notice again. <laughs> I disagree with that only because. It'll make Blast Burn less special. Yeah, it, it would make it make all the other moves less. But it, it it would it would be it would get samey. If, I also like how fl- with Fly they fuck off for a turn. 
Oh yeah, fly. I mean, I always. Someone's always gonna have fly on my team, and someone's always gonna have surf on my team because I'm just gonna have a water type and a flying type, or at least someone who can learn fly on my team, and they're gonna know fly, and they're gonna know surf, and that's just a constant in every single game I've played. I mean, here, I do somewhat appreciate that this allows you to open up your team to have greater move diversity rather than just. And, you know, not just having to have a flyer and a swimmer on your team. Sure. But. Capital B. I think there is so much less thinking that you have to be doing in Gen 8 as a result of all of these quality of life updates. For instance, the ability to access the box from anywhere. You can do that now. You can access the uh, the box from anywhere or the PC or whatever from anywhere. Uh, you do not have to have HMs. There's other shit. Uh, In short, be careful about how much of the actual gameplay slash thought you, you send off your game. At some point it becomes autopilot. And then you are just kind of watching an animated series or have to fiddle with the remote for 20 minutes at a time for some reason between cutscenes. So there, there are things that I liked about this because uh, they have character animations now. Uh, and, and this is almost a give and take thing because the give is that uh, you no longer have to kind of come up with a personality for the protagonist yourself. They now have a personality. The take is that you can no longer come up with a personality uh... yourself for the uh, for the protagonist. They now just have a personality that you've been given. I can't see anything for the fucking Hoenn dude but the fucking Nuzlocke guy now. It's fucking Yeah, no, I... I, I... <laughs> It's just a long-suffering, frustrated... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Anyway, children of the world, Mm -hmm. we have loved talking about Into the Black... (laughs) Motherfucker! God damn it! Shit! Fuck! God! God! From now on, I'm calling you Dragon Turtle. (laughs) Jesus. We have enjoyed talking about Pacific Rim, The The Black, Black, and Pokemon... Into the sword and into the shield. <laughs> but uh, we I'm have got to, a mosey for now. I'm this going is to Weeaboo press Hell. My, I'm going to press my... Uh, my, uh, my. It's Weeaboo Hell. Into the, into the stop record. Fuck me.